Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. We just come to you because we need you. We come to you because we know, Father, without you, we are empty. Without you, we are weak. Without you, we are powerless. Above all, without you, we are nothing. We need you, Father. Each passing day, we only realize how much we need you. Today, Father, I pray once again you would speak to us. Your word is light. Your word is a hammer that can break down age-old strongholds. Your word is life. Your word is spirit. Your word is truth that can set us free. Your word is healing. There's so many sick in the body of Christ. Your word says the Lord in Psalm 100 and verse, and verse 20, I sent forth my word and healed you of your infirmities. Today I pray, Father, somebody would be healed. Somebody would be delivered even as they hear your word. Your word creates. I pray, Father, as we hear and believe, your word would create something new in us. We just surrender ourselves before the majesty of your word. Speak to us. And continue to work in that new creation in us through your word, Lord. Be with us, Father. Speak. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, the book of Romans actually says, uh, if you, it's not part of the message, but the reference is uh, Romans 14 verse 5, that one man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. So each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who considers one day as special does it to the Lord. Okay? So meaning today is Palm Sunday. I mean, you know, we do not observe so many things which is part of a tradition. And somebody does, God bless them. We don't judge anybody. We just judge ourselves. But the only reason we do not do certain things is because rituals are connected with religion. Faith is connected with the relationship. Now, if you use your logic and your mind a little, do you really think the first age church, first age church, after one year, the apostles all gathered with, with palm leaves? No. Okay. God has given us only two things to observe. One is called baptism. The other is called the communion. That he died for us and he rose again and he said, these two are fundamentals. The rest, no, if you're walking in faith, these things don't matter anymore because it's a living reality. Okay. Because one day emotions can be very high and you bring all the palm leaves through your clothes for him to walk through, ride through. And a few days later, you say, crucify him, release Barabbas. So remember, emotions and perceptions can change within minutes. 
within days if we try to approach God with idols in our heart. So we'll see one day, Hosanna, Hosanna, son of David, a few days later, crucify him. When Paul, uh, sorry, Pilate asked that incredible question, what shall I do with this Jesus? We also see if you go through, because we are in this final week before Resurrection Sunday, that's the next Sunday. If you go through any culture, even cultures that have vanished, the old Egyptian culture, the Babylonian culture, the Greek, the Roman, the Indian, any culture you look, you will see their gods are portrayed as men or women of power and glamour and regal appearance and all that and chariots and horses and elephants and whatever, whatever, with sun behind them and halo and all that. Islam, of course, does not allow pictures, so there is no representation. Buddhism represents Buddha always in that serene lotus position. So we have all these pictures. Every culture has this picture of God. And then comes this picture. That's the picture of a bleeding, broken, naked man hanging on the cross. And the claim of those who follow him, that he is the savior of mankind. That picture doesn't fit with anyone's picture of God. It's an offense to the rational mind. I've heard, no, I mean, when I read an article on the, on a site, I also read all the comments written by people. So there is all these uh, comments written in Indian newspapers. And a comment written by an Indian in last week's one of the newspapers was that Jesus Christ was the first terrorist to be executed publicly by the Roman Empire. I mean, they, I mean, we don't judge, we are not mad, don't even get mad when you hear these things and when you see these videos of persecution, don't ever get mad. If you get mad, then don't watch. We still, uh, I mean, that's a wrong reaction because they have shoes and what would we think? Okay, so this picture, what kind of a savior is this? It's a real, the cross, that man hanging on that cross, broken, naked, bleeding, is an offense to the sensible mind. When you say he is the savior of mankind, outside of him, it is not possible. No one can be saved outside of him. Then it is very, very offensive. Think about of a scene like this. Somebody wrote it. I, I corrected that English, put a little music terms where it would rhyme and uh, made it into a poem for a 21st century rational mind. Imagine a man called Carlos. He's from Brazil and he claims to be the savior of mankind. This is how the poem goes. They tied him down with iron balls. They zapped him with 40,000 volts. It was for you and me that Carlos died. Though on the electric chair, okay, his body was fried. The wisdom of the world was refuted because on the chair Carlos was electrocuted. He's my savior and my lamp because he absorbed every deadly amp. Now I know God does care because he sent Carlos to the chair. Now how come nobody's crying? 
how come everybody is laughing this is exactly what happened down the centuries when they were told the man hanging on the cross and died is the savior of course connected with that i will also have a few hymns like on the chair on the chair my savior died or i will have something like i cling to the electric chair Instead of red cross we have red chair instead of hot cross buns we have hot chair buns see now you realize that's what i said put yourself in the feet of somebody else and say how do we see this what how would an average man respond they will say most stupid religion i have ever heard ever invented You see the cross is offensive it is offensive it divides humanity all the smart ones would like to move past the cross but There is only one way of salvation and it is because of the cross and through the cross. A crucified savior sounds stupid to the rational mind. Move on to something better. Let's promise people prosperity, give them emotional highs, provide them with a lot of talks on self-esteem. Remember, these are not people trying to destroy Christianity. But they think they are trying to save Christianity by appealing to the secular mind. This was what happened in the first century also. In Rome, in Corinth, in Galatia, in all the letters that is written, what the apostles are trying to do is there is one set of preachers trying to go past the cross avoid the cross and here are the apostles trying to bring back the cross to the center why because in deuteronomy verse 21 and 23 scripture says about a person who hangs on a cross his body shall not remain overnight on the tree but you shall surely bury him in that day so that you shall not defile the land which the god is giving you as an inheritance for he who is hanged is accursed of god not everybody not every other form of death in the bible no in the book of deuteronomy there are different forms of death you people can die in different ways but one form of death that man if he was hanged it meant he was cursed of god how do you reconcile this with the jewish mind the one who hanged is cursed of god and he is the savior of mankind and the gentile mind where every god doesn't die he kills and the romans knew this was the most wicked death ever invented by man so you will see the temptation of the churches even then to try to abandon the cross but jesus talked about the centrality of the cross in his life 
Okay, we know he has to go onto the cross, he has to go to Jerusalem, suffer, insulted, beaten, crucified, and on the third day he will rise. And that's when all of them start getting upset. When the cross was brought to the center of his life and his mission, people got upset. In First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Christ and him crucified. He brings Christ back to the center. In Galatians 2.20 to the church in Galatia, he will say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The writers, the apostles knew, you take the cross away, the message loses its power. The power of the message is in the cross. And the cross divides and unites humanity. But first it divides. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18, this is how it says, For the message of the cross. What is the gospel? The gospel is the message of the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross divides humanity into two. Those who are perishing and those who are being saved. For those who are perishing, they don't like to hear any message on the cross. The message of the cross is foolishness. But to those who are being saved, the message of the cross is not foolishness. It is the wisdom of God. We talk about the gospel of grace. We talk about the gospel of the kingdom of God. What is the gospel of grace? What is the gospel of the kingdom of God? It is the gospel of the cross. It is the message that comes from the cross. So the message of the cross divides mankind into two. and continuously keeps dividing us. It is the power of God unto salvation. The Jews want a sign because their entire history is of the living God doing incredible signs in their midst. So they expect every servant of God to come and do a sign. The Greeks are used to philosophers because they are used to wisdom and rationalizing everything. Scripture turns around and Paul will say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 22, Jews request a sign. Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. The Jews is a stumbling block. How can a man, when our scripture says, cursed is the man who hangs on the tree, be the savior of mankind? And for the Greeks who are used to wisdom and power and all that of their gods, that's foolishness. So you know what happens for 2,000 years. It has happened in every age, so much more in the last age. Under pressure, men have changed the gospel. We offer signs and we offer wisdom. And we put away the message of the cross. The problem is, as soon as we put away the message of the cross, Christianity has lost its saving power. Loses its saving power. In Galatia, what they tried to do was add to the work of the cross. You can't do that too. That's what the Catholic Church tried to do for thousands of years. 
What did they do? Okay. Uh, you want to be saved? Then go regularly for confession. And then after that, do these novenas. And after that, light these candles. And after that, do this. And do this. And do this. And do this. So you feel good. Why? I know I am saved. How do you know? Because I did this, this, this. That is adding to the work of the cross. And in the church in Galatia, that is what happened. And Paul will write to them in Galatians 5. I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. What is happening here? The Jews are coming and say, hey, hang on, hang on. Let's do this. Okay? Are you, are you all believers of Jesus Christ? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. To be very sure that you are saved, get circumcised. Have the Jewish sign also. Okay. Adding the works of the Old Testament to the work of Christ on the cross. Because then he says, the offense of the cross has ceased. There is an offense that comes from the cross. In Galatians 6.12 he will say, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, this would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross. Oh? Okay. So, if you are a Jew, or if you are a Gentile, and you accept Christ, all the others with whom you are gathering to worship are all who? Jews. And the meetings are usually taking place in Jewish communities. So what do you do? Get circumcised. And if you get circumcised, you become like one of them. The offense of the cross ceases. Okay. Now apply this in different ways. Different, different ways. The offense of the cross. Can the cross stand on its own in your life? Do I have to add something so that people are not offended? That's what he's talking about. False teachers, he says, what do they do? They try to make Christianity less offensive by taking away the cross. The offense that comes from the cross. Now we are not talking about offending people by being nasty and uncharitable and rude. We are not talking about that. We are talking about the offense of that comes from the cross. Why does the cross offend? Why does the cross offend? Ask yourself, why does the cross offend? See, we like to hear, oh, look at the cross. You know, when I look at it, Indians, of course, have added an Indian touch to that. Pictures we have of the cross with the dupatta hanging on it, right? Oh, look at the cross. He stretched forth his arms and said, this is how much I love you. Add all these sentimental words, they are true. They're true. He loves us. He loves us beyond anybody can ever love us. And we are so sentimental about it. And we say, look at him. He loves me so much. But the problem is, that is not the offense of the cross. The offense of the cross is the other picture. If that one who is hanging on the cross is God's only begotten, holy, pure, sinless son and if he died for my sin what does it say about me? What 
What does it say about you and me? We were absolutely rotten to the core. Nothing in the universe except the blood of God could save us. That's the offense of the cross. That is the offense of the cross. It's not who he is, but who he is and what he does, what he say about me. The cross points to my depravity. It also means apart from God, I can do nothing. I'm absolutely helpless to do anything for my salvation. I am depraved, I am evil, and I am helpless. That's what Romans 7.18 says. I know that in me nothing good dwells. Even if you memorize it and repeat it, it's very difficult to believe it. That's the offense of the cross. Because we all believe there is something good in me. He struggled. Did God really mean this? In Isaiah 64 verse 6 when he said we are all like unclean thing and all our unrighteousness are like filthy rags. All our, sorry, righteousness are like filthy rags, not unrighteousness. You wouldn't mind if he says our unrighteousness. But that's not what he says. All our righteousness is like, you know what the actual word is, right? The actual Hebrew word is menstrual rags. That's the actual Hebrew word. What is our righteousness like? Filthy rags. Our righteousness, our good deeds. All the good we have done. God says, it's worth nothing. So 600 years before he came, prophet Isaiah, God's through the prophet Isaiah had said in Isaiah 8, he will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. A stumbling stone and a rock of offense. That's what he is. Why? How does he become a stumbling stone and a rock of offense? Because of the cross. It's very, very difficult, honestly. You have to confess it, confess it, confess until it enters into the deepest part of your spirit that there is nothing good in me. That there is no power in me apart from God that can save me from hell. There's nothing I can do. Meaning when it comes to heaven and eternity, if God doesn't move, I am finished. I could be the best man on earth. Like our Indian history, modern history. I could be as good as Gandhi. Pointless. God doesn't move. I am done. That's what Jesus will say. In his gospels he will say in John. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. You can't. Oh, Lord, I see the cross. I see you hanging on the cross. Still, it makes no difference. The Father has to draw me to him. Otherwise, I am undone. I can intellectually appreciate it. I can read books on it. I can memorize all of scripture. It is of no avail. 
unless the father draws me i am done because salvation is not in the power of man unless god draws me i am gone so suddenly it is offensive when he saying this the jews are getting offended because for them they are getting saved because they are keeping the law we have kept the law we have kept the law remember the young ruler also coming i have kept it from my youth all of the this that's no point you can't even make one step towards me unless my father starts moving you without god you can't do anything and it's very offensive to the pride of man all your religion is worth nothing like children who never go to church or people who don't it doesn't bother you but imagine you've been going to church all your life regularly all your life you've been faithful in every activity of your church after 50 years of faithfully going to church suddenly hear a man coming and saying your religion is worth nothing if you want to be saved you have to believe only in the work of jesus and jesus alone nothing you will get mad you will get mad i remember long time ago a person telling me all teachers and doctors will go to heaven practicing belief, christian very faithful to the church all teachers and doctors will go to heaven i said why because we only do good Can you imagine how offensive the cross becomes? Because the offensive part of the cross is not that God loved me so much and he died for me. The offensive part is that I am so wicked that without him dying for me there is no redemption possible. That is offensive. He goes on to say in John 6:53, then Jesus said to them, "Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of man, son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you." cause one more step they're getting offended what are you talking about eating your flesh drinking your blood doesn't stop there he goes father when jesus knew in himself that the disciples complained about this he said does this offend you are you offended i'm talking to you about the cross you don't understand but is the cross already starting to offend you are you offended Have you offended? You have heard about the 666, the Antichrist in the book of Revelation, right? There is another 666, which is called John 666. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more because they were offended by the cross. Now, these were in followers. These were not those who were listening to his messages, standing in the crowd. These were disciples who followed him till then, got so offended at the message of the cross, and they walked away. But you take the cross away, there is no salvation. Christianity has lost its power. That's why Paul will come. God will use that man to come to the centrality of the cross. Over and over, we have to come. The reason is you see the message of the cross hurts man's pride. It is opposed to all and every notion of man's ability. Last thing man wants is to be stripped of any little righteousness he has. 
you will allow god to strip us of all unrighteousness but we will not allow god to strip us of our righteousness i was listening my wife was listening to something on a this thing a testimony of a girl giving a testimony about and background you i don't know why you need background music for testimonies i was born of a first generation second generation brahmins my parents were priests my grandparents were so what does it make your salvation any different so what has such brahminism is an abuse of the society injustice Now you come out of injustice and you're proclaiming your salvation was different. You don't know where I came from. See, even when they testify about the work he did on the on the cross, they want to put their robe of righteousness, and you see, this is who I was. That's why he died for me. People can't. That's what I said. If you strip, allow him to strip everything that you know is wrong with you, you are fine. but if he starts touching what is good with you we get offended and the problem of the cross is it strips everything off us absolutely everything off us whether you are a new believer or an ancient believer it doesn't matter the only way you and i will be able to stand before god even at the end of our life is because of the work of the cross and the work of the cross alone and it's an extremely offensive message to the fallen man the offense of the cross it will not accept any distinction between mankind there is no distinction before the cross like this is moral this is immoral this is rich this is poor this one is powerful this is powerless everybody has to come through the same door it's a level ground at the foot of the cross it doesn't matter whether you are old no senior citizen whether you are young no half ticket the king and the thief the queen and the prostitute comes through the same ground at the foot of the cross it's level ground now you ask me is it easier for a thief or a prostitute to get into heaven or the king and the queen that's what jesus said the tax collectors and the prostitutes are all getting in you guys are outside why because the message of the cross is offending you it doesn't offend the prostitute because she looks at i have nothing good it doesn't offend the thief says there is nothing good in me even when my son says thank you father for the bread i am feeling guilty because i know where i got the bread from You see, you see, that's what the the cross does. It is offensive to the human righteousness, the human soul, the human pride. We call it the gospel of grace. In Ephesians chapter two, verse eight and nine, by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not of ourselves; it is the gift of God. How are we saved? Through grace. it is not mine or your we didn't do anything it's the gift of god then romans 117 will say for in the righteousness of god is revealed from faith to faith as it is written the just shall live by faith meaning i receive grace by faith from the beginning of my salvation 
till the end of my salvation. So no man, when he stands before God, even if he says, I was a believer for 50 years, I had 45 years of ministry, I preached to the ends of the world, God says, you stand on grace alone, on the work of the cross, nothing else. Now, it's a little hurting to the pride. Because that means I have no faith in myself. I have no faith in my abilities. I have no faith in my works. I am entirely dependent upon Christ and Christ alone. We sing that song in Christ alone. But how many of us really believe in Christ alone? From the beginning to the end, it is God alone. It is grace alone. That is the offense of the cross. Nothing of self can be added. A person who understands the message of the cross, who understood the message of the cross, not many, many messages are floating around, but the gospel of the message of the cross, and he has understood and received it, he does not have to be told pray. He does not have to be told read your Bible. He does not have to be told obey the voice of God. He does not have to say walk in repentance. He does not have to be told never miss fellowship. Why? Because he's always aware he's empty and he's weak. And without God, he can do nothing. That all these things, pray, read your Bible, obey God, walk in repentance, never miss fellowship, to use modern terms, is these are God's hotspots. You know, in the city there are hotspots where you can get free Wi-Fi. Yeah, you don't have to pay for it, it's free. But if you want to get that free Wi-Fi, you have to follow your sensor and see you are in that hot pot, hot spot. And you get free Wi-Fi. These are God's hotspot. The man knows I am empty. The man knows without Christ, I can do nothing. I'm absolutely useless without God's grace. And he knows it comes from prayer. It comes from studying the Bible. It's from hearing the voice of God. It's by walking in repentance. It's by never missing fellowship. He knows it because he has received the message of the cross. Cross is a death sentence to the dependence upon self. If you take the cross off, on the other hand, you can gather crowds. If you take, bring in the cross, crowds may go, often goes, for Jesus, for all the apostles. The 18th century great preacher Spurgeon once asked this question. If the cross of Christ is an offense, and always was an offense, why is it that so many professing Christians go so easily from January to December and have no trouble about? See, the cross Jesus died on definitely was an incredible, crude, Two pieces of wood nailed together or tied together. Incredibly rough, crude pieces of wood. But today we have very nice uh, crosses. You see the shapes have in me. It's so nice and comes. It doesn't even hurt us if we move a little. No, it, it feels so good. You see, our modern crosses have no rough edges at all. It's been nicely being smoothened. Preachers do alter the shape of the cross. By adding a little, by subtracting a little. 
change the shape of the cross. That's why Paul will say in Galatians 1.6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. The gospel of grace is the gospel of grace only if it is the message of the cross. You're moving to another, another gospel so fast. He says either when it's an angel or even it's me, if they come and bring you any other gospel, let them be condemned. Because no other gospel has the power to save except the gospel of the message of the cross. In Galatians 3 verses 1 to 4, he will say, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus was clear, clearly portrayed among you has crucified him. Who has bewitched you? What has happened to you? You're turning away from the cross. You're turning away from the work on the cross. You have turned away. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did you receive the spirit? How were you born again? When you looked at the cross or because you did something? When you looked at the cross, you realized his work and you realized your unworthiness and by believing and pleading on the mercy of God, you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. How come you have shifted now? Now you are moving into something else, your own works. Now you are putting your trust. Okay, as I do all this, I will get more of the Spirit. God said, no, you will not. You will not. You don't get more of the Spirit by doing things. You get more of the Spirit by allowing the cross to empty yourself. What does he say? Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If indeed it was when he says, when you first took the gospel, you received the offense of the cross and you were persecuted in your homes, in your relationships, in your business, in your cities, in your towns. You went through so much persecution because you received the message of the cross. And after going through all this persecution, you're changing your gospel. All your suffering is in vain. That's what he's talking about. Why is the cross offensive to the average professing Christian? Why is it? It's interesting. When Jesus was talking at the end of his ministry to his disciples, he asked them a question in Luke 22. He said, when I sent you without money, bag, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, nothing. So when you go for a journey, when you prepare for a journey, there are certain things which you pack. This is what they used to pack. What did they have? They had a money bag, they had a knapsack, and they had sandals. Those days. Okay, they're not going by train or plane or anything. They have to walk. So good sandals, a bag with essentials, and a money bag. He said, when I sent you, how did I send you? You had no money bag, no backpack, no sandals. Did you lack anything? No. But there was one essential every disciple of Jesus had to carry that he will say in Luke 9 and verse saying, Luke uh, 9, 23. 9, 23. Next verse. He said, if anyone decides to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. The one thing everybody has to carry if you ever want to follow Jesus even one day. If you have no bag, it's all right. If you have no sandals or shoes, Nike, whatever, it doesn't matter. Barefoot also, no problem. No money, God says, no problem. But he said, you cannot follow me or go where I sent you without the cross. 
essential for traveling with Jesus. No cross? You cannot go. The question is, what does it mean? It is not the cross that hangs around your neck. It is not that. In Galatians 2.20, what does scripture say? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who love. What does it mean to pick up your cross? Daily. It means it is the death to my self-life. If I am dead today, then the question I ask is, Lord, then what do you want me to do? Want me to do? What do you want me to do? If I die, only he lives. And he will live only not just because I don't do anything, but I also hear and do what he tells me to do. Then I am living his life or he is living his life. Peter, can you give me a pen? Did you see Peter gave me his pen? He did a work. What is the work he did? He stood up, he came and gave me his pen. But you know what he did was he did my work. Now you can take it back. That few seconds when he heard my voice and obeyed my command, he lived my life. The pen that he had brought for himself to write down notes, he was saying, it is at your disposal, at your word. He's not living his life. He's living my life. Or rather, I am living through him. He said, pick up your cross daily. It is not that I don't do anything, but I have to learn to hear. And when I hear and when I obey, you know what? I allow him to live. You see, if we don't apply the cross to ourselves first, we can't even read the Bible. We can't even read the Bible. Because if I don't apply the cross to my life and read the Bible, it's interesting, it's stories, it's knowledge, it's wisdom, it's all that to apply seven principles for me, for my good. But it is not life. It is not his life. For this word to become his life, the first thing I need before I read the word of God is apply the cross to myself. Then suddenly his life will start. Then from Genesis 1 onwards, you will see, oh my gosh, this is what it means. This is what it means. Because so many people, even I for years and years, read and got a lot of stuff, a lot of knowledge, but didn't receive life. Why? Because I put down the cross and picked up the Bible. God says, don't put down the cross. Apply the cross and pick up your Bible. Shall I show you a few things from the first chapter of Genesis, second chapter of Genesis? One is creation. Second is man beginning. If I show it to you, Genesis 2 and verse 50. Then God put, took man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. You know what it means? Do you know what it means? And then little later, God will make woman and bring her to man. You know what God says? God says, I have divided it into two. Your will fulfill my life in you when you go out and do your work. 
you will fulfill my life in you when you stay at home and build the home. You mess this up, my life won't portray. This is how it is. That is how you will rule and subdue this earth. You will go subdue. You will stay and subdue. Because we say in English, the hands that rock the cradle rules the world. Where did all this come from? From the Bible. Because they knew that the mothers like Hannah, Sarah, Rebecca and all who stayed and mentored their babies, he went out, he subdued the world while she subdued the world from inside. You see, unless you apply the cross, you will not accept this. It's so, I mean, what are you talking about? We are living in the 21st century. Why can't my husband stay at home and take care of the child? God says he can. But you will not experience my life. And I'm not talking about single parents here, where God will get the grace to handle both. But that's a aberration of God's plan. But He gives you a double portion to handle both. But you understand. Let's talk about marriage, because when marriage comes suddenly everybody wakes up. In the Bible, there are three kinds of marriages. How many kinds? Let's get to the first one which we all like, which is called a romantic marriage. Where boy meets girl and he falls and she falls. For the rest of their life, they live in the ditch. It's called the romantic marriage. That's why we say in English, they fell in love. Then there is the arranged marriage. In arranged marriage, it is the will of the father. Will of the Father. Hit and miss 50-50. If you're a non-believer, they will check every star. And at the end of the marriage, you have a nightmare. <laughs> Arranged marriage, 50-50. Then there is something that is called the kingdom marriage. Romantic marriage, Genesis 29 verse 18. 29 and verse 18. Now Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Romantic marriage leads to slavery. It is because the expectations are high. Huge. Expectations are huge. You are my slave. You are my slave. He will be a slave for 20 years because he fell in love with a girl. And everybody washes their hands off in romantic matters. So you made your bed, you lie on it. That's the exact thing the parents will say. You made your bed, you lie on it. If we had started this, we would have helped you. But you made it, now you lie on it. So you are a slave. And this man is a slave. He's a slave. It is not like you see in movies happily ever after, no. Because in a romantic marriage, the person, your man or your woman in whom you fell in love becomes your idol and worship is transferred from God to that person and you end up serving that person because you end up serving whom you worship. He loved Rachel. 
So he served Rachel for 40 years. And Laban immediately knows, this guy is a bakra. Look at him, he is mad in love with my daughter. I can use him. No problem. He knows the power of romantic love. For seven years? Fourteen years I'll make you work. Arranged marriage is the will of the father. Genesis 29, 22 and 23. Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Now it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, brought her to Jacob and he went into her. You know what he did? He said, okay. Leah, come here. I've got something to tell you today. Okay, listen to me. Jacob is getting married to Rachel. Oh, that's what he thinks. But I have an idea. Of, I have my plan for you. You're getting married to him tonight. This is the father's arranged marriage. Okay. Arranged marriage is usually the will of the parents. Some parents make good decisions wisely. He's looking at the security of his girl. Okay. Irrational thinking. This girl is what you say in English looking London going Tokyo. Her eyes are crooked. Nobody looks at her. And because of that every proposal says no, 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 no. So what do I have to do? I have to somehow get a husband for her. In India what they do? They buy a husband. Honestly, it is sad. But the father says, before I die, I need to get my daughter married off. And nobody is looking at her because of her complexion, her looks, whatever. I need to buy a husband for her. So every proposal, he will say, how much do you want? I will give it. And he looks and says, you know what? I need to pass this girl off to him. Okay. They are looking at security because every father is looking at security. And he says, you know, I need to marry her off. So that is the arranged marriage. Then there is something else called in the Bible called the kingdom marriage. Genesis 24 and verse 50. Then Laban and Bithuel answered and said, the thing comes from the Lord. We cannot speak to you either bad or good. Here is Rebecca before you. Take her and go. Let her be your master's son's wife as the Lord has spoken. This is what we say, arranged kingdom marriage. Parents, everybody back off and say, you know what, this is from God. We don't know you, we have never seen you, but you know what, one thing we know, this is of God. Take the girl and go. Now, unless you apply the cross to your life, you will not be able to accept this. Because you haven't seen the boy, you haven't talked to him. You have never seen what he looks like. You know nothing about him. The only thing you know is a testimony of a man who has traveled for months and come and said, other than that, you know nothing about this boy. In the first case, you saw the boy, you liked his look, so you saw the girl and you like, says, we are soulmates. Junk. In the second case, at least your father thought it all and said, I think my girl will be secure in this. In the third case, nobody knows. Only God. Remarriage, whether it was if you are already married, it was a romantic marriage or an arranged marriage, can become a kingdom marriage. It has to become a kingdom marriage. It doesn't matter how long you've been married. You have to allow the cross to come into your life. You have to subdue the world inside and subdue the world outside and rule together. It is that I no longer live but Christ lives in me. See pattern. See pattern. Understand. This is what I am. And it doesn't matter what people say. 
what culture say my friends say nothing this is what i am i am a man and i'm going to do go out and i'm going to work i am a woman and i'm going to stay at home and build my home and you know what together we are subduing and reigning in life and what you bring is enough you bring give it to me i can sure i will make it stretch through the month i will manage within it because we are in kingdom business you want to see jesus pattern of ministry i didn't give i think it's luke 8 1 to 3 luke 8 verses 1 to 3 <clears throat> jesus was never culturally correct he was scripturally perfect what was he was never culturally correct he was scripturally perfect and it came to pass afterward he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of god and the 12 were with how is he going jesus and the men are going 12 disciples going together and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits infirmities mary called magdalene out of whom had come seven demons and joanna the wife of chuse herod steward and susanna many others who provided for him from there sisters they followed him and took care of the needs of the men the men went out and preached you see he's following the pattern which is there in genesis 2 in the beginning he said this was the way it is and that is the way it will be in my ministry he didn't allow to bypass the cross he didn't he stuck to the pattern of the cross That's what scripture is talking about crucified with Christ sinful flesh has to be nailed in galatians 6:14 the second thing god forbid that i should boast except in the cross of our lord jesus christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and i to the world what is the effect of the world on a person who doesn't pick up the cross daily very strong Did you see? Anyone who wants to water down the gospel, dilute the message to make it more acceptable to the carnal man. You getting the picture? He's not willing to suffer for the sake of the cross. So what do they do? They bring the world into the message and take the cross out. They take the world out. the world in and take the cross out you know what paul talks about those people in philippians 3 he says for many walk of whom i have told you often now tell you even weeping they are what enemies of the cross of jesus christ enemies of the cross of christ whose end is destruction whose god is there belly they don't preach the cross they preach the world they preach the world In thousands of churches around the world when people gather together what they will hear is about the world how to do well in the world it is not about the cross the sermon goes exactly opposite to what paul is saying in the world is crucified to me i am crucified to the world what do i need to hear about the world one of the reasons we do not get any life from this book because god does not speak to the carnal man 
It does not speak to the carnal man. We can pick principles. Principles of the kingdom work. Always work. Because it's got power of the kingdom behind it. Doesn't mean it has the person of God behind it. It has only his power. See, the message of the cross does not speak about the world or of the self. It speaks about the death to self and the judgment of this world. When the Holy Spirit comes, he shall convict you of, convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Judgment. Message of the cross speaks about death to self and judgment of the world. Once you pick up the cross, you will see shadow of the cross through the Bible. The cross does not appear only in the New Testament. It starts appearing from the beginning. If he was the Lamb of God slain from the beginning before the foundation of the world, the cross must be there through the Bible, right? So you will see the shadow of the cross through the Bible. So why did Adam and Eve fall? Because they refused to pick up their cross and deny themselves. Where the great men of the Bible in the Old Testament, were they offensive people? No, they were some of the humblest, kindest, loving men who walked on the face of the earth. They really wanted to get along with everyone. But the problem was the message they carried was offensive because it was the message of the cross. So they were lonely men. When I look at the list, Abel picked up his cross. Either he could do it his way or he could do God's way. God's way is kill, take the blood, bring it. I will lie to myself and I will do it your way. He become Offensive to his brother. Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Samuel, David, Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah. You look at any man of God in the Bible. They were all wonderful men, but lonely men because of the message they were given. It was the same message, the denial of the self and death to the world. Pick up your cross and follow me. It was not another message. And that message of the cross offends people. Even today, even in the church, I pray you will not be offended by the message of the cross. Because The spirit of Elijah is almost gone from our midst. Elijah was a man of God. He preached an offensive message. Repent for judgment is here. Sin is being judged. It was an offensive message. Nobody wanted to listen to that message. So after three and a half years when he met the king. You know what the king said? In first king, it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said that, are you a troubler of Israel? How did he trouble Israel? His message was offensive. You're the troubler of Israel. What did Ahab, Elijah reply? 
He replied him. And he answered, I have no trouble, Israel. You and your father's house have. I have no trouble. How did I trouble Israel? I did not. You strayed away from the commandments of God and have followed the Baal. You are the troublers of Israel. You put down your cross, lifted yourself up, lifted up the world and judgment has come. The message I am preaching to you is the message of repentance and restoration of fellowship with the living God. It sounds offense to you because you need to pick up the cross. I am not the troubler of Israel. You are the troubler of Israel. The new covenant Paul was a holy troublemaker. That's what they called him. Because he preached the gospel of the cross in Acts chapter 17. When they did not find them, they dragged. Because in Jason's house, Paul and Silas were there. They dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. These troublemakers have come here. In Acts 24 verse 5, we have found this man a plague. A creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world. And a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Look at the names they are calling him. Who is he? He's a plague. Avoid him like leprosy. He's a plague. He is a creator of trouble. Troublemaker. And a ringleader of that sect. Who follows that Nazarene. You see what the message does to you? Accused of being a ringleader. Why? Because he preached a message that was death to self. The religious crowds didn't like to hear it. They don't like it today also. There is only one true gospel which offends the carnal man and the devil. Like I said, we are not being purposefully offensive. Okay, No, we are not. We just speak the truth in love. You see, there are two kinds of churches in China. One is overground. Big buildings, everything. It is government approved. Big crowds will come there. Today, if you go to China, there will be big churches full of people. The messages are sealed by the government. In that messages, there will be nothing of the cross. Government approved messages. Then there will be millions and millions of people meeting in secret underground churches. Why? That message is a message of the cross. It is offensive to the carnal man, offensive to the devil, offensive to governments. Because it changes the loyalty of a person from self, from the world, from the system, to one man, the risen savior. It's very offensive. You know, once a man has found Christ and picked up his cross, you cannot manipulate him anymore. He may fall, but he will rise up and he will keep on following that Lord. You cannot manipulate him anymore. That message is offensive. Are we seeing? Same in North India. In India too. North India especially where persecution is going. Any state you go, Gujarat, Rajasthan, North India, there are big churches full of crowds. They have never known persecution. Never known persecution. Why? You go listen to their messages. It is not offensive at all. There are churches in those same towns where they are being hounded because their message demands a radical life change. And they go after them. 
see much of the person when you don't get moved by these videos and all much you know the term in the use in war which is called collateral damage see i was shooting at ann by mistake i killed two others also they were not my target she was but in the process two also died okay there is a air cover call to send a missile they hit and so many civilians also died that means it is called collateral damage okay these mobs when they come the problem is the problem is when the mobs when they come they don't know anything about the message of the cross they have been incited by leaders and the devil when they come all they see is a cross they don't realize there is a cross painted outside inside though there is no message of the cross you need to realize inside there is no message of the cross outside there is a cross so they came and break the building and chase them all away if you are persecuted it should not be because you painted a cross outside it because you preached the message of the cross inside it's a message of the cross people do i mean i've been trying for years to get the pastors come on you don't need to do this no three people four people immediately put a shed over there put two speakers over there and you start and before you know the guys are coming breaking up your shed i worked two years with the underground church we didn't need anything and we had meetings every sunday without the government having any clue at all we used to tell keep changing and we tell them gather in the houses change your timings park your vehicles far away come in ordinary clothes just walk in just walk in no music no instruments one guitar keep it low and it used to be packed all those years the government never found us the worship never stopped there were times when i had to start in apartment stand like this because one room is full another room is full stand in the middle and preach Here we immediately one need a building and two speakers and then persecution comes so pray for me I'm being take your speaker off dude you got three people inside you don't need it because the gospel should not be you're bringing trouble for your congregation when they came to arrest jesus did he say who do you want me leave them alone as a pastor i should not be inviting trouble for my congregation i used to have to wisdom and say lord how do i see i build them up and i build them up without getting into trouble as far as possible and when they are persecuted let them be persecuted because they stood up picked up their cross and the message of the cross was in their life therefore they got persecuted in their homes in their offices and we got persecuted as a church not because we painted a cross outside some of the churches should not have a cross they should have a bull of the stock market because they only preach money honestly We are inviting trouble because the church has to move on. People have to be strengthened. Imagine I start a church today. Five people came. Two weeks later, it's all broken and scattered away. Where do these people go? Where do these people go? Everybody has these preset ideas. I need two speakers. I need all, the, especially that thing. Not this thing. They're not the big drum. I need that, and I need a pulpit. No, we have sat on the ground and taught. no pulpit nothing no drums nothing and the churches have gone and then when persecution was lifted the church came out in the open and it's growing again persecution has started now they were again gone underground don't ever say persecution came unless it is because of the message and paul was hounded it was because of what he preached 
what he preached. Not because he was foolish, because of what he preached. That's why we have to realize the cross divides. We saw in 1 Corinthians 1.18 those who are perishing, those who are being saved. Divides humanity into two. And then those who have been divided, they are united. Colossians, what does it say? Yeah. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew. Circumcised, no uncircumcised. Barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ in all and is all. Can you come to that point? It only happens when you have allowed the cross to do its complete work in us, where everybody is one body. It doesn't matter what your background is, a Jew or a Gentile, Brahmin or Shudra. It doesn't matter. You don't even see him like that. You see, his spirit is in him, his spirit is in me. We are one spirit. In English you say, blood is thicker than water. But in kingdom we say, spirit is thicker, stronger than blood. Stronger than blood. No difference. No barbarian, no Scythian, no slave, nor free Christ in all and in all. Can we? No rich, no poor, nothing. I've seen in this church, not during Sunday services, other meetings have seen when somebody poor has come and sat down, somebody moves their chair. Why do you think you are different? If it's the same spirit within you. Think in a family this thing. If a child falls in the dirt and it's dirty, when it comes as a mother, say stand away. Then why do you differentiate when somebody poor comes towards you and say, you know what, don't get too close to me, okay? Don't get too close. Read the book of James and you will see the scriptures James brings about when you are dividing the church on any issue other than the spirit. We cannot talk about unity without the cross because there is no unity possible without the cross. First through the cross he makes a man whole through the cross. Then in a daily process he brings people who allow the cross to work in them and bring them and makes them into one body. You want to be one body of Christ, you have to individually allow the cross to work in you. Listen to Paul. After all his ministry, his final letters, listen to him saying in First Timothy, to Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, peace from God. Who is Timothy? A true son in the faith. Timothy, isn't your father Greek? Paul, who are you? I am from Hebrew of Hebrews. Tribe of Benjamin. Pharisee by religion. And Timothy? Half-breed. What do you think about him? One in the spirit. He is my true son in the faith. Son in the faith. The cross has worked in me. The cross has worked in him. We are one. We are not two. We are one. He is my true son in faith. Titus. To Titus, a true son in our common faith. Titus? Your father and mother both are Greek. You're not even Hebrew. What does Paul say? That's my true son. You see when the, the, when the cross works? You know the history? What history says? In Ephesus, during a pagan festival, when Timothy preached later after Paul's death and all, when he preached against the carnality of the people, they clubbed him so badly, Timothy died in two days. That is the end of this true son of faith. Because he practiced the gospel of the cross. 
every one of them the gospel they preached were very offensive to the carnal man that's why they were killed today we are felicitated for the gospel we preach those days they were killed so question is are we offended by the message of the cross the question is if we are offended how can we receive grace for grace is only for those in whom the cross does its work daily the cross doesn't work its work in me why do i need grace why do i need grace the cross comes in and i look at myself and say lord you see yes i see i am useless i am worthless i am powerless in me that's what i am and god says you are true no you are useful you are worthy and powerful in my son receive it first the cross then the grace it's not just a random confession from the mouth it's a living reality because he said pick up your cross daily and follow me daily and follow me the cross divides but then it unites when it is done its complete work in a set of people when christ comes he will have his bride so like i said we are not offensive people but the message we speak is we are not offensive people some people their message is they are so offensive that they need a beating so that's not how christ preached that's not how the apostles preached the message was offensive but they were not offending people In 1 Corinthians 9:12 Paul will say if others are partakers of this right over you are we not even more nevertheless we have not used this right but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ he says we try to see that we don't hinder the gospel of Christ at all we are not offensive people we are not demanding people we are not we are not demanding they are demanding people oh my gosh people in the ministry incredibly demanding i have heard from from the top to the bottom people saying i'm not which city are you in india are you calling me to come to preach this city does it have a airport no then i'm not coming once the airport is done call me another pastor here housewarming called uh, you have to send me an ac car otherwise i'm not coming a bishop of a mainland denomination you are inviting me please remember i come by ac rajdhani i am coming i need an ac car ac room and i i only eat fruits and nuts i'm talking about people in the ministry this is will do nothing to hinder the gospel of christ nothing we are not offensive people our message may be offensive it is not offensive it is only offensive to the fallen man in 1st Corinthians 9:22 to the weak i became as weak that i might win the weak i become all things to all men that i might all means save some he says i'm not an offensive person the message is tough but i will go down to their level and speak to them i don't be rude offensive he says no in 1st Corinthians 10:32 give no offense either to the jews or to the greeks or to the church of god don't give offense the offense of the cross and giving offense are two different things 
But this one offense, the offense of the cross, we cannot remove. We dare not remove. If you do, the gospel loses its power. The gospel minus the cross is a false gospel that will ultimately kill you at the end. So when we pick up this book, say come to the end. When we pick up this book, we are looking to die so that Christ might love. If we are looking to live, then Christ will die. That's what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, 24. He said to me, if anyone decides to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever decides to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will Yes, if you pick your life, you will lose it. If you lose your life, you will keep it. Only two, one person can live at a time. Either me or you. That's why the gospel of the cross is an offensive gospel to those who are perishing. Because the perishing man lives for himself. He lives for the world. It's me, mine and myself. The saving man understands, I live for God. I live Unto God, I need to hear from Him and obey Him so that He can live through me. Because we are coming to the end of the age. And it's a mess. Why is it a mess? Last Sunday, remember, for men shall be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. It's about self. The entire life is about the self. And the cross is an incredible offensive message. It gets the heart of the self it hits. You know, yesterday, our today, yesterday, thousands and thousands of children were marching in US over gun control. You see the whole mess you have. Socialism, communism, humanism, feminism, you have it all. None of this thing has got anything to do with God. Can you ever imagine where the world has come to that you get 14 year old, 15 year old, 16 year old children to march about gun rights? What do you know about gun rights? What do you know about the first amendment and the second amendment? Andrew is 18. How many of you children are 18 plus? Show me your hands. 18 years or above. What do you know about politics to vote and select a government? What do you know about ideology? What do you know Prime Minister Modi stands for? What do you know Arvind Kejriwal stands for? What do you know what Congress stands for? What do you know what TRS stands for? Do you know? See what the system is doing? Young, impressionable children who doesn't even know their syllabus are allowed to determine the future of a nation. You see, we, we, we have to read, don't read history in hindsight. You have to read history the way it was. When were women allowed to vote? 19, 20, 18 and all. Why? Because the women stayed at home and worked. The man went out and worked. So the man knew what the politics was, so he voted and selected the government. 
It's simple. See, look at it, oppress. Nothing. That was the order of that day. The men knew politics because that is all they discussed. They knew every party. They need listen to every message. They knew what was happening in the political spectrum. They decided who would rule. Because without even understanding what is happening in the world, we swallow ideologies and then the cross in our hearts starts troubling us. We are just a Christian. We have no ideology. No ideology. The only ideology I have is the ideology that is in the Bible. Nothing. We are not for anybody. We are for Christ. Because we don't know the powers that are controlling this world, what their agenda. I just gave you a portion of their agenda last week at the end. How they control and manipulate human beings so that the message of the cross becomes even more offensive to them. Do you know in the last 50 years, the birth rate in the world has come down by 50% from 3.6 to 1.8. Does anybody know? Why? Because they don't want any more children. They want to bring it down to control the masses. Way off the road. Way off the road. This communism, socialism, humanism, feminism is all sweeping the world. And we don't realize we have imbibed these spirits. Because we hear and watch movie. Movies is what they use to control our thinking. Let me ask you this question. If you go, I've never been. The only one I ever saw was when Rishi and his old team, where is Rishi? Ensign's team had their concert. I thought my head would go off. Okay, That's the only rock concert. The rest I have seen here and there on TV and all. Do you know all the lights they use is, kind, is called psychedelic programming of your mind? That's how your mind is programmed. That's how your mind. So why do we need it in churches? Are they programming your mind with a wrong message? It's all programming. Your minds are being programmed through the entire system. You are sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, but there is no word inside. Your mind is being programmed to think in a particular way. The end of it is when the message of the cross comes, you are offended. When when the message of the cross comes, if your minds are not programmed, you should be receiving it and say, this is my savior who died for me. This is the message. I need to love for him. But why are, why are people offended? Not in the world, in the church. Minds have been programmed. Minds have been programmed. And the reigning spirit over the world is the Jezebel spirit which comes across as a feminist movement. It's a feminist movement everywhere. All I was shocked over what the prospect the professor said in Kerala he should be dismissed. They're absolutely unacceptable. But the reaction in a conservative, I thought it was conservative, I'm wrong, I'm out of that state. Because he mentioned something rude about a student, the children when they came to protest, you know Kerala 
girls actually took their clothes off and covered with watermelons and came onto the roads in India. I thought these things happen only in the West. I was looking at it and thought, oh my gosh, that spirit is ruling here too. They call it Me Too movement. Me Too. Can you believe? It's raging over. It is that spirit. Everybody, every political leader says, I am a feminist. Justin Trudeau, I am a feminist. UN Secretary General, I am a feminist. Macron, I am a feminist. Everybody is a feminist except Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. He said, I am not a feminist. I am for men and women. They are the only two alpha males left. No, it's real. That's exact. You need to understand what is happening. When the spirit of Elijah, Jesus said, will come at the end, it's because there is a Jezebel and Ahab spirit ruling. And when Elijah doesn't do his work, that spirit upon him is given to Elisha. He said, who? Anoint Elisha. He's a man of God. Jehu. He's not a real man of God. And Hazel is a Syrian. God will anoint even wicked men to break this spirit. That's a reigning spirit. Don't underestimate what God is doing. Understand and read from scripture what is going because this spirit when it takes over will bring the end. It's a woman riding the beast. The problem is not what is happening in the world. The problem is that pulpits are being taken over by feminists. And God's order is being changed. God says no. You're supposed to rule and subdue together. One out, one in. Hold the home safe. That's the castle. That's the fort. Hold it. And have entrusted you to hold the fort. You know what they have done? They have successfully taken over the entire Christian world. If I were to put a map of the world over here. What did you think about the Christian world? America? Europe? Right? Australia? That's his way, the Christian world. Do you know in the Christian world, the women have no more children anymore? The death rate is higher than the birth rate? In the Christian world? It's over. What does it mean? If a number of births in a year is less than the number of deaths in a year, that means over a period of time, your population is not nil, somebody else will take over. That's why the Muslims are absolutely sure, 50 years, Europe is ours. We'll take over. Because you are not breeding, we are breeding. We'll take over. Now the entire theology is saying where the Antichrist is going to come from a Muslim ruler from the Middle East or a Jewish ruler from Europe. How did he do it? He did it through ideology. Because feminists, you have to read the original feminists. Every feminist is anti-marriage and anti-home. One of the first feminists who wrote in the 90s, we learned all this in the, in the universities. One of the first feminists who wrote in the 1930s says, a home for a woman is like a Nazi concentration camp. Feminism supports and funds homosexuality because it is sexual liberty. It 
encourages there are three kinds of sexualities one is called heterosexual bisexual and homosexual god is heterosexual he said god said heterosexual man and woman and then there is bisexual men with men and men with women that is bisexual and then is homosexual men with men and men with women with women you know what the entire feminist movement funds the bisexual homosexual movement because it liberates them from the home it's an agenda working behind it and the question is the church has just swallowed it and fallen under it and taken the cross away don't offend anybody please don't offend anybody understand the spirit of elijah will be released in the last days it will be released before the end jesus said john is the one and at the end when he comes he will break this spirit and god will have a remnant who has allowed the cross to finish its work in them he will take them out and then leave the rest for the antichrist and the role of the antichrist will begin understand how ideologies begin don't be just sitting there and watching tv because once this flood comes it sweeps everybody that is why the devil hates the message of the cross hates the message of the cross because the message of the cross hits to the heart of the human self man what are you woman what are you home what is it church what is it work what is it because there is a creator there is a creation and god has ordained ways for the creation when as i as the creation falls into god's there is peace otherwise there is conflict and there is competition and there is chaos slowly turn back turn back turn back to the ways of god hold your homes together hold your homes together come back to the kingdom come back to the purpose because when a man stands before god god will ask him what did you do what did you do how did you take care how did you take care of what i committed into you when a woman stands before god god will ask her how did you take care of your family did you bring them in the knowledge of god because a wise woman builds her home if you're looking it has competition then we are going to and we are, order is changing then we don't understand but if you really look at it you will say you know what god has entrusted the most difficult and the most important job to the woman build your home out of that home will come apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and prophets kings and priests will rise up in the home I have given it to you that's where it comes from the devil comes and says no that's a concentration camp that's a concentration camp there's no meaning in it go out be like man be like man that's what i said the system will make masculine to be feminine and feminine to be masculine so women are all walking around like men and men don't know what to do even mainline news keeps saying that men have been emasculated and therefore the world can't stand these two men they very clearly say we are men we are not feminists we are men and they are not godly men but they are men 
the biggest feminist came to india recently doing all kind of natak with garland and this thing and i don't know what he was trying to do he made a total ass of himself because india is not like that they are looking at iska kya hoga pagal ho gaya kya even we are not like that you see what they do to you that's why i get tell these children you've been here for 10 years be man don't go around this skinny skinny things hanging around like don't walk like men nonsense you are of the kingdom you belong to christ you don't belong to this this devil or the beast or the world you belong to christ walk like a man and girls walk like women imagine 21st century jesus where to come and behind him were susanna mary magdalene tight jeans and t-shirts <laughs> even you laugh why do you laugh because you know somehow it does deep inside you know it doesn't fit but you still are trying to be like the world if jesus were to come and say follow me what you will go run out your wardrobe and start your jeans and t-shirt and walk with him you know this doesn't fit in somehow deep inside you know there is an issue here it doesn't fit in with him but we need to fit in with the world you know it it very well deep inside you know luke 8 1 to 3 was written about you how would you be dressed what would you do how would you take care of his needs oh lord let me go to youtube and find out how to cook <laughs> i will find out youtube jewish kosher cooking let me learn that's how 21st century girls do they get married and then they give burnt offerings just with me yaar i am learning what were you doing all this while because you been told this does not fit with you that's not equality you are same as man who said god said male and female i made them you go out and work you take care of the home together subdue the world reign over life that's where the kingdom of god comes that's where the church comes back but when things go wrong we get a very very warped picture and children are confused you have this short haired lady dyed it blonde and pink two big earrings and she's standing at the pulpit and she's saying the lord says i am you look at her what's wrong with her You see these things matter. You think you know these th- these things do matter because if Christ is in you ultimately it will touch everything. Touch everything. It will touch your life, it will touch your food, it will touch your drinking, it will your clothing, everything will be touched because you realize what would Christ do? What would Christ do? That's why the message of the cross is offense you so take the cross away you're such lovely girls oh my gosh i wish next sunday all of you come like okay like boys boys grow hair okay let them cut okay you see take the cross off and eat whatever you want drink whatever you want it doesn't matter put earrings pierce your nose also come god loves you brother it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you come late it doesn't matter come read your bible occasionally if you don't get a good news verse and right you take the cross away make it easy take the cross away what am i doing i'm feeding yourself okay i will tell you five 
different principles how to win this lost in your office. How? Okay. Go down to your level, their level, okay? Don't mention about the cross. Don't mention sin. Don't mention sinner. Don't mention blood. Then what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Do you see how easy they made it for people? For the self to be projected. That's what happened through the Bible. Through the Bible. That's why at the end there will be a sweep with the spirit of Elijah. The spirit that was upon Elijah. Not the spirit of Elijah. That was upon Elijah. And there is going to be a shaking. God says, get on a line, my children. Get into line. Get into line. Ask Lord, when I open this, let the cross be in my heart so that I know what you are telling. I'm not a humanist reading the Bible. I'm not a socialist reading the Bible. I'm not a communist reading the Bible. I'm not a feminist reading your Bible. I am just a surrendered child of God reading his father's words. What do you want me to do, Abba? What do you want me to do? So, no offense. No offense. What do you say? It's okay with me. No offense. That's what the son said on that day. Father, take this cup of it, if it possible. Not my will. Your wills. Your will. Father said, you have to drink from that. It's okay. Have to drink? Yes. I'm going to be beaten? Yes. I'm going to be stripped naked? Yes. I'm going to be all hanging on the cross? Yes. All the sin of the world is going to put on me from Adam till the last man? Yes. It's okay, Dad. I will drink of it. I'm not offended. Not offended at your words. Today, God were to tell one thing. In today's one hour, thirty minute message, I don't know what all things has offended you. I know from past history, when I mentioned something about what the Bible says of mine, next day I get a long letter from every reference in the Bible which says about their favorite preacher who said you can drink wine as much as you want with all reference. They start sending me. If something offends you and you want to justify you, you search the net, you will find 10 preachers who will justify it. That is why on Mount Carmel, there was only one Elijah speaking God and 850 on the other side. Elijah finished and Micaiah, one man standing alone and 400 on the other side. To obey God, usually there is only one voice. To disobey God, citation not needed. PhD fellows will understand what it is. You have to choose. Children, you have to choose. Shall we stand up? You must always confess what you are to God in your personal life. Lord, I am not bisexual. I am not homosexual. I am heterosexual. That's the way you made me. When my wife and I 
talk sometimes and we hear about this oh this one is kind found a boyfriend we say lord please let it be a believer but thank you she found a boyfriend and not a girlfriend because <laughs> today you don't know what they find look to the point time has come 20 years ago when our parents said what you have a boyfriend today we say thank you lord she has a boyfriend and not a girlfriend see how it has changed understand say lord this is the way you created me i all i want is to be what you made me for make me a man make me a good man make me a good son Make me a good husband. Make me a good father. Maybe a good servant. That's all. Make me a good woman, a good daughter, a good wife, a good mother, and good servant. That's all. That's all. We don't want to be anything else. Shall we pray, Father? This afternoon, we come to you, Lord. Help us, O Lord, not to be offended. O Father, times are changing so fast, O Lord. and the victims are all children children are the victims everywhere lord impressionable impressionable young teenagers lord oh father who have no models who have no mentors who are being carried away by the tide that is sweeping the world of oh, master oh father we pray for the children we pray for the young ones oh lord oh father touch them touch them touch them let them know lord they belong to you let them know lord fearfully and wonderfully you have made them let them know lord they have been made in the image of the living god and male and female you have made them there is no gender in between oh lord they can go through a thousand surgeries oh god but they cannot change their chromosomes oh lord they cannot change what you began them with they will always remain male or female and miserable till the end if they try to change oh lord help them to see father we are not in competition oh lord we only complete each other oh lord we are not striving for equality lord we are striving for equity lord oh father, father together only we can subdue lord divided we will fall oh master help the married couples to see help this young ones to see help even the children to see lord that the mothers and the parents would bring their sons as sons and their daughters as daughters oh lord will not remove that masculine and feminine from them lord that men will be bold and resourceful and courageous and chivalrous oh lord and the girls will be feminine and soft. soft and tender and kind and mild and loving oh god help them to be lord what you meant us to be lord then only father the godhead is reflected in our homes and in our lives oh lord touch touch our young ones oh lord touch them lord when they go into the world let them carry christ in them and christ with them lord let them daily pick their cross let them not want to be anything Other than what you have destined them to be, Lord, oh Father, touch, touch, Lord, touch, touch, Father. We are our worst enemy, Lord. The greatest deception is the deception of the self, Lord. Open our eyes that we might see how strong the self is in us, Lord. Help us to pick up that cross and die daily, Lord, that Christ can live in us. and through us oh lord 
so that we'll be able to lift Christ up and the world will be drawn to him, Lord. The world is not drawn to us because we do not lift Christ, we lift self, Lord. Help us to lift Christ, Lord. I bless your children in your name. I bless the men and bless the women, the married, the unmarried, the little ones. I bless them in your name, Lord. May the hand of the living God rest upon them all the days of their life, Lord. Let them grow before thee. Find favor with God and favor with man. Let them grow in grace and wisdom, Lord. Let no one enter into your presence without fulfilling your purpose in their lives, O Lord. For there is no greater honor, O God, Father, than to hear from your lips, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Father. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you for the cross. And we see your incredible love. And we see our utter rottenness, O Lord. Thank you, Lord, through the cross you saved us. Through the cross you saved us. Thank you, Lord. Let me not, let us not boast of anything else other than the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. As we go into another week, I pray your presence would be with us and cover us and keep us. Thank you, Lord. We now lift up holy hands and we bless your holy name, God. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Father. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Envelop us, cover us, protect us until the hour of his coming. Amen.